it's so subtle and pernicious how often we accidentally throw the you word. When you did this, it made me dot, dot, dot. That's not going to work. It just doesn't work communication-wise because it makes people feel blamed. Instead, when this happened, I felt this way. And I acknowledge that those are my emotions and that I'm responsible for those emotions. I'm not putting them on you. That I'm not putting this on you, like I'm not saying you're to blame for me feeling this way. Stating that is huge. You're listening to The Boundless Heart, the podcast empowering women into shameless self-respect, independence, and equal partnership. Thank you so much for being here. You are truly showing the universe that you know that you are worthy of putting yourself first and that the more you do that, the more you are able to give. This week, we continue our conversation with Dylan James Levitt, relationship coach, because it was so good I had to split it in two. Before we dive in, I'm going to share a little bit of a conversation that started in the inner circle group about people pleasing. And in this portion of our interview, Dylan digs into what really creates a healthy and lasting partnership. This week, I had such an amazing conversation in the private Inner Circle Facebook group, which if you are interested in joining, you are more than welcome, and I'll tell you more about how at the end of the episode. Katie says, in the episode with Dylan, I really loved and appreciated how you redefined people-pleasing as an interesting way to say liar. Really sit with that for a minute. If we are people-pleasing... Mainly, it means that we are saying something in order to elicit a certain response in another or to avoid feeling conflict or feeling like we're going to hurt somebody. We're manipulating situations in order to have it feel more harmonized. That is, (laughs) that's lying, basically. For Katie, she said that one hit me like a ton of bricks. It is. It is an elaborate form of lying in which you can trick yourself into believing that you are the quote-unquote good one, the one doing the quote-unquote right thing. It's icky because we get lauded for it. So true. She went on to remember a... (laughs) It's kind of a funny story, actually. She remembered an instance from her childhood when she experienced the power. So she was at a friend's house for dinner. Uh, She was about eight years old, and the mom served hamburger helper. Katie hated it. She said it was so gross. However, she lied and told the mom how much she liked it. And I love how she wrote this. And that lie went down so well that I got all juicy with it. I didn't just like it, but I really loved the hamburger helper. The mom was so delighted. She felt powerful and pleased with herself that she could create this reaction. So she lied and created a reaction with someone else based on a lie. And how many of us have done that? A lot. It is very interesting. She says, I can see how I got off a bit on this dynamic. Denying my own likes and dislikes was its own kind of power. And of course, it's gone deeper in so many ways. It's become more of a way of life that I've been choosing unconsciously for years. And I think we have to remember that so much of this is unconscious because we are taught not necessarily directly, but through watching our mothers 
and society in general do this. Like this is how you're awarded or this is how you're supported as a woman. And I replied to this, oh my God, this resonates so deeply. The power we feel from lying, that's it. Rather, here again, rather than being taught that our power comes from the truth, we're taught that our power comes from making others happy, which we can't even do. I felt accomplished when I did this. I felt like I had done the good thing when I abandoned myself for others, and it actually became my source of power. Another woman in my circle said, here's my situation. This is Robin. She's amazing. I have no idea where the line should be drawn. None. I sometimes feel like I'm being helpful because someone needed me to do that for them. But I'm starting to catch a glimpse of recognizing, usually later, why did I say I do that? I don't even want to. And again, we get so entrenched in this way of being that we don't actually recognize it. But the beauty of this is that these amazing women are starting to recognize this pattern. Without the recognition, no change can take place. But with the recognition, we totally can change. We can change how we operate. We can change how we think even. And it is a process. That is one of the reasons I love the inner circle so much because it gives you a space to work through this stuff and not just with yourself because when you see it in another, you'll recognize it in yourself. Usually we have to see it in another first (laughs) and then it's like, oh, main reason that I'm doing this podcast is because I was in these situations. I still am working through how to be completely honest and not be a people pleaser and make sure that I am always speaking from my integrity, which is the most loving thing to do. Really is. I'm learning so much through my life experiences and I'm learning so much through all of my guests and I'm learning so much from the members of the inner circle. Another quick example of how deeply embedded these programs are and we just don't even realize it. I was recently at a goddess gathering where we watched Dangerous Beauty, which is an amazing movie. If you have not seen it yet, it is so beautiful. And the, oh God, the the divine masculine in that movie is such a turn on. And obviously the feminine power is amazing as well. And after the movie, which ended with a scene from the Inquisition, but I will say no more, go watch that movie, Dangerous Beauty. One of the women said she'd noticed a meme that was going around saying something to the effect of, don't you find it interesting or don't you find it funny how we were taught to fear the witches and not those who burned them alive? And the reactions from the women at this gathering were all basically like, oh my god, we hadn't even thought about that. We hadn't even thought about the fact. That society, (laughs) since the 1500s, has been taught to fear people who are in their power (laughs) and understood pleasure and love and truth and power, and not the people who burned these people alive, but only half of them, of course, just the women. (laughs) What? So let's continue this conversation with Dylan James Levitt, who is, again, a relationship coach. And he truly wants to bridge this gap between male and female, masculine and feminine in relationships. 
we tend to stay in relationships that are not fulfilling, are not healthy, are not good for us, are not what we want, because we're afraid of the unknown. But think about it and flip the situation. Do you want to be with somebody who doesn't want to be with you? It's not a good feeling. And if you're not able to communicate and work it out, I mean, I always suggest make sure you have an open conversation about what's going on. You've got to communicate. You have to speak. Or the other person can't. There's nothing they can do because they don't have an awareness. You have to give them a chance. And that could be, I say the breaking point is also a making point. So if you come to a breaking point and you talk about it, you might end up with a relationship that you never would have imagined how amazing it was. Or you might move on separate ways, but you'll both be more in your own power and in your own knowing and in your own bodies and in your own energy. And that's better for both of you. 100%. I'm thinking about communication as you're talking and how important it is. And I think all of relationships revolve around communication. Communication is like the fertilizer and the seeds that actually create the bond. Three things that I think are super important to communicate in all relationships. Number one, needs. Needs are, this is what I need from you in order for this relationship to work. Not in order for me to be happy, but in order for this relationship to work. So maybe one of your needs might be, and these usually come down to the love languages, quality time. For me, I need to see you at least once every two weeks or else it just starts to feel like we're disconnected and we're growing apart. Needs are essentially non-negotiable things that like if this isn't there, it's not going to work for me. Affection might be a need. Sex might be a need. That's a great one as well. Some people have different sex drives. Like we need to be doing it at least five times a week or else like it ain't going to work. Some Another person once a week might be fine, you know, <laughs> because when you communicate that, you find out where that person falls and whether there's true compatibility. So needs are, think about your love language. If you don't want to read the book, at least go online, fivelovelanguages.com, I think. There's a quiz you can take that explains to you, like, how you feel loved. And then, you know, another one, a lot of times women have a need for safety. I think it's really important for women to communicate their need around safety because men have no idea. (laughs) They have no idea what it is to be a woman and need to feel safe in certain situations and how profound and important that is. We could do a whole podcast on that. (laughs) Exactly. And men are not like feeling unsafe isn't a thing that men feel often. Generally, like physically unsafe, unsafe to express their emotions. Yes. But physically unsafe in the way that women sometimes feel physically unsafe. Often. Often. And men, it's like we're women grew up in in a world where they knew they could be physically overpowered in any moment. And men don't. And that's a huge difference. So men are often almost always unaware of how big of a need safety is and be specific about the situations where it's important for you because it's different for every woman. Mm -hmm. So needs, and there's other needs as well, you know, really just ask yourself, what do I need for this to work? Three to five things. I would limit it to that. 
And then there's desires. Desires are different than needs. Desires are things that I want that would make me happy, that I would love to experience. They could be sexual desires, fantasies, or new things that you want to try, whatever it may be. It could be desires uh, for romance. You know, romance might not be a need like, okay, I could be with a guy who's not the most romantic person, but I'd like him to be romantic. And so that's maybe more of a desire. It may be a need. Again, you got to just know yourself and be honest with yourself where it is for you. You just said it all right there. You got to know yourself. So needs and desires and then boundaries. Those are the three most important things to communicate for men and women. If you really want to have a relationship by design rather than by default, which is how most relationships unfold. And boundaries are where your limits are. One thing that's an important conversation to have boundaries conversation around is space. We all have certain boundaries about when we feel like our personal space is being encroached upon (laughs) or sucked up too much. We all do the dance of navigating our own needs and navigating other people's needs and being there for other people and being there for ourselves. And some people, especially men, I, I meet a lot of men who they like space. They like to have a day or two pass where we might not talk or we might just chat a little bit. It often takes them time to like more time to process their emotions and how they really feel. And space helps with that. Everyone's different, though. Some people want to text every day. Some people hate texting. And they'd rather call for 20 minutes at the end of the day. Some people want to see each other twice a week, and that's good for them. Other people want to hang out five times a week or every night. And boundaries are also sexual. If you know that you're somebody that gets attached easily when you have sex with someone, it's probably good for you to to set a boundary. And let that person know, like, so it depends what your boundary would be. Let's say your boundary is, I want commitment before sex, which a lot of women want. Where I would start off with that conversation is, what I want you to know about me is that once I really like somebody, I'm like the best girlfriend you could ever have. Once I really let somebody in and am committed to them, they're the person that I'm the most loyal to. Men want loyalty. They want to know, like, you're there for them before anyone else. So if you can say, like, this is how I am once I let a guy in or commit to a guy. And I say that because I've had, like, this would be the woman talking. I've had times in the past where I slept with a guy before I was really ready. And then I ended up getting hurt or I ended up getting too needy or we had different desires or whatever it was. So I want to make sure that When I do choose to sleep with someone, I know that there's someone I could see a future with. And then you would say, just so you know, I'm not the sort of girl that has sex with guys right away. Whatever your boundary might be, maybe, you know, I'm not going to have sex with you until you're my girlfriend or until you're my wife. Or, well, I guess it would be until you're my husband. So that's a mock kind of off the cuff version of how how you might be able to have that conversation But boundaries are really important. And I think it's a really good mock 
version of a conversation because that is something that we might not really think about as far as stating these things, communicating our needs, our desires, our boundaries, especially if we've had times in the past where we've brought these things up and they've been shut down or we've been told to, no, you actually do want this or whatever. Like we, we might not even trust ourselves. So you said it again, everything, when you said you need to know yourself and to be honest with yourself. And if you don't know yourself and you don't even know if you're being honest with yourself, it's probably time to be single for a little while and find that. 100%. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I want to keep talking to you. I do realize what time it is. I have another 15 minutes if you want to keep going. I'm cool. Okay. Christy says that she feels like her man is making decisions based on anxiety that he wouldn't really be making without it. And she wants to support him and help him. What would you suggest to somebody that's dealing with that in their relationship? But again, I don't know if she's okay with the choices or if she's trying to control. I don't have her situation. I just have the question. Well, it's hard to address without the situation. I mean, it depends on what the decisions are. It depends how severe they are. It depends what the consequences are on her life. I don't want to give a blanket answer because it may not be true depending on the situation that she's in. Ultimately, if somebody is having anxiety and making decisions based off anxiety, my gut response to that is that that's his work to do. And if he comes to you and wants you to support him with making better decisions, that's one thing. If your perception is he's letting his anxiety take the reins here and acting based on his anxiety, that's an assumption. Usually, I mean, again, it's hard to say without the specifics, but that's something that he gets to address within himself first. Ultimately, having the conversation is about being curious and asking questions and not trying to solve that person and not trying to fix that person. Because oftentimes when we're trying to help, subconsciously what we're trying to do is fix and men and women can feel when they're trying to be fixed and nobody likes it very fair point i have another community member she's amazing her name is joan and it's really a yes or no question (laughs) so we'll see where this goes i like that but she asks does he agree that what is key to a healthy or a happy relationship is working on oneself to be happy and healthy to being in charge and responsible for your thoughts, your emotions, and yourself. Would you agree to that? I would. thought so. 100%. I think those are great concepts that sound awesome. And when it comes down to what that actually means and the practical specifics of it, there's gray. There's gray area. One of the things that it's like makes my job hard is we speak in concepts. So, for example, working on yourself to be happy and healthy. What does that mean? And if you're doing that but not communicating your boundaries about how much space you need to be happy and healthy, that also doesn't work. Oh, I know. So, it's like, and then taking responsibility and accountability for your actions. Of course. What does that mean? Simplest shift you can make in your communication that will make the biggest difference. Speak from I. When this happened, I felt this way. I experienced this thing. It's so subtle and pernicious how often we accidentally throw the you word. When you did this, it made me dot, dot, dot. That's not going to work. 
it just doesn't work communication wise because it makes people feel blamed. Instead, when this happened, I felt this way. And I acknowledge that those are my emotions and that I'm responsible for those emotions. I'm not putting them on you. That I'm not putting this on you, like I'm not saying you're to blame for me feeling this way. Stating that is huge because we so often feel like we're to blame. Like if I'm the man and the woman is the one who feels hurt, men so often feel like they're being blamed for how she feels. Yes. And communicating that you're not blaming them. Well, first of all, taking accountability and actually not blaming them and then communicating that you're not blaming them, but you're letting them into how this experience affects you. Again, it's a guard defense lowering mechanism. And that's when you can start to gauge again. I'm just going to go back to this. Now you, once you've expressed something like that in a way that's not blaming or attacking, that's just going to cause them to be defensive and shut down. Now you Mm -hmm. can see what their response is. How do they respond when you've set that space for them to just say, look, this happened for me. This is how it was. I just want you to know that not, I'm not blaming you. I mean, you would say it how you said it. You said it more eloquently. Now see how they respond. And that tells you a lot about a person. It does. It does. Dylan, how can people work with you? And you don't work with women, do you? Or do you some? Couples? I work with women and couples. So I market to men because I can't market to everyone. (laughs) That doesn't work either. (laughs) And I am a man, so I started off coaching men. And I feel like I have a better understanding of men than I do of women, (laughs) which is why I focus on men. I love working with women. I've worked with women in the past. It's really fun for me because I end up learning as well through the process. And I love women. And they can find you. (laughs) Where can we find you? So if you want to work with me, single or coupled, man or woman or trans or any other denomination, you can find me at sparkofattraction.com, www.sparkofattraction.com. And on that site, you'll see that you can book a call with me. I always give the first call for free. And I really like to get to know people and what they're really dealing with before I offer anything to them, because ultimately every situation is so unique. So if you want to talk and get some input on what you're going through, Go to sparkofattraction.com, book a call, it'll be 45 minutes, and if at the end of the call we decide it's a good fit mutually, then I can talk about what those packages look like. Perfect. Do women get intimidated by the fact that you're a men's dating coach when they're pursuing you? (laughs) I had to ask. It's a great question, and the answer is yes. I either get the intimidation, I get the curiosity, or I get the... They think I'm a player, which used to be true, but is no longer true. It's such an interesting dance to dance and navigate as a coach because I see so many levels deep that for me, the challenge is really being present, being fully present, not trying to psychologize or analyze or assess or any of that while I'm with them. But yeah, it can be intimidating for sure. I can see that. Is there any last thing that's rising up 
that just really wants to be said at this moment. Yes. In order for a relationship to work in the long term, we need to be more in love with what we're building with somebody than we are with the specific aspects of who that person is. You can fall in love with a lot of people. You can't build a life with a lot of people. And when we fall in love, but we're not building anything together, and there's no greater purpose to our relationship, stagnance sets in. So be more in love with what you're building, a family, a lifestyle, a business, a community, than you are with that person, because that person will change, and so will you. Mic drop moment right there, don't you think? You will change, and so will your partner, and so will basically everyone in your life, because (laughs) we are always changing. And the more we can remember that and accept that, the easier our relationships are going to all be. I'm so grateful for this conversation with Dylan. It was a joy. And if you want him back, let us know because he is willing and I am too. That would be really fun. There was so much that we didn't even cover because we just didn't have time. I mentioned in the beginning, I would let you know how to join the inner circle so we can continue conversations like this and learn from each other so that we can actually apply what we're learning into our lives and we have happier and healthier and more honest relationships, even if that relationship is with yourself. Because frankly, and I know we all know this, but to have a healthy relationship with another person, you first need to have a healthy relationship with yourself. The inner circle is at www boundlessheartpod.com slash inner circle. The link is also in your show notes in your app. Next week, I am interviewing Eliza Van Court. She wrote the book, A Woman's Guide to Claiming Space. Yet another life-changing book, world-changing woman, someone we can all look up to, and someone who's holding her hand out for us to lift us higher too. We rise together. So until then, be really honest with yourself. And remember, the witches are nothing to fear. It's those burning them. You are nothing to fear. It's those who would shut you down. Respect yourself shamelessly. Speak your truth, even if your voice shakes. And don't give up on your life. Your dreams give hope.